Well, let's let's play some games at PAX. Hey, there you go. Hey, good segue. Eh. Ding, 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 ding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't lost the mojo. So yeah, PAX. <laughs> Welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode 281, and do you guys remember how to do this? Because I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Scott, and I kind of remember how to do this. And I'm Ash, and I have no idea how to do this. Okay, Me. well, that's pretty good. No, it has well, been uh, like four to six weeks since we've done a proper episode. Yeah. Well, you guys uh, were, um, you went to San Diego Comic-Con. We did. Generated a lot of great content from that and then uh not all of it but most of it <laughs> yeah and then uh well i mean i i listen to a lot of it i, I it's well no i mean yeah. we ash got a bunch of good interviews and uh, i'm still we waiting just, we... i'm still waiting on part two of the wrap-up though <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll wrap that all of that news is already like six weeks old <laughs> part, that we would talk about i mean part one of of comic-con of your comic-con coverage was really um enticing Riveting. yeah and i want to know what happens in part two especially on the rooftop man um, I got sunburned on the rooftop. That's what happened. Yeah. We can recreate the event um, (laughs) with some, with some Foley wind and like shit crashing in the background. Yeah. 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 I I mean, people like that though. They liked hearing the stuff falling down (laughs) all around you. They love, they love construction going on. I I think we should, we should full disclosure why we never produced the second portion of that. It's just because like life seriously went into like ultra turbo the second that we got home. So it's been, it's been pretty insane. Like, uh, you know, just, just getting those interviews out was, was pretty crazy. So hopefully you guys enjoy those and, uh, PAX is right around the corner. So we'll have more shit. Oh my gosh. That was like a heroic effort on the part of you two. I I literally like got home from, well, I extended my vacation a few days and then I got back and was like, hello work. And then it was just, it work just exploded all over, all over my face. Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, prior, what happened was that prior to that, I, um, edited our Carolina Ravasa interview in Vancouver in a hotel. Yeah, yeah. And I then, remember that. And then I got back and then you guys left for San Diego. And and here we are, like, what is this, six weeks later? I think something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's, it's been nonstop. I've gotten older. I had like a birthday halfway through this thing. <laughs> you yeah. did. Yeah, happy birthday, Just man. an old man. Yeah. I'm ancient now. I've turned ancient while while we weren't podcasting. That's what happens. That's what happens. Time. Right? It feels good to be back, and it's a good week because there's lots of cool stuff going on. Yeah, there's yeah. great great stuff to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna talk about um, some Star Wars news, which is always refreshing. Um, Xbox news, HBO, Movie Pass, D and D, and then in our reviews, we'll talk about documentary Icarus, uh, the game Titanfall Assault, a new mobile game, uh, Agents of Mayhem, which is a uh, console release from uh, from the uh, Saints Row folks. And then we'll look at the game, um, do a little early impressions of the game Tacoma from the makers of uh, Gone Home. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, right off the bat, since we were talking about time and getting older, I wanted to quickly bring up the fact that Tuesday, which is two days ago now, was the 25th anniversary of when SNCC premiered on Nickelodeon. Which Crazy. would have been, uh, that would be August 15th, 1992, I think. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, in honor of that, the 
the television channel Teen Nick actually airs a block of 90s programming. It's not always SNCC, but it's 90s Nickelodeon programming um, in their 10 p.m. to midnight block. And so for the 25th anniversary, they aired, I think, the original pilot lineup of SNCC in its entirety from uh, from start to finish, which included Clarissa Explains It All, Roundhouse, uh, Ren and Stimpy, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's so crazy. Was, yeah, I watched the whole yeah. thing. I watched the whole thing, and it was... Um, I remember uh, being scared to death of watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? And watching it now is kind of like, uh, it's funny and nostalgic in some ways. <laughs> what was wrong with me as a child? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it was the episode about, um, you know, the kids that get lost in the woods and the the weird cab driver and stuff like that. And they go and find this hermit who, like, wants to... Um, like collect their body parts for research or something like that. <laughs> yes. Them riddles as, as hermits often do. Yeah. yeah as yeah, as yeah. hermits often do. Yeah. Everyone I run into. What's funny is that I remembered every episode that was aired. You know, the Clarissa episode was the one about where she watches TV for 24 hours. Um, Roundhouse, they aired the original first pilot episode um, about being the new kid in school. And then Ren and Stimpy, they aired that uh, really classic episode with um where they are nipple salesmen rubber nipple salesmen yeah. and then uh the other one where ren like loses a tooth because he doesn't that brush premiered his teeth. on snick yeah yeah it was oh, a snick wow. show oh, yeah for some reason that's crazy 1992 crazy. man that was like the golden age i think of weird oh it was great and you know it's funny because i talked about this on the podcast mm. which was probably months ago at this point but um i loved clarissa explains it all as a kid i just absolutely loved that show mm-hmm. And yeah. um, when I when I heard that I was going to have an opportunity to talk to Melissa Joan Hart, even briefly at Comic-Con, I kind of lost my mind because that's like that was sort of like a big deal for me as like a, a, a kid going through puberty. Like <laughs> I was like insanely in love with her and thought the show was so funny and great. And then to get to meet her uh, was was just really pretty fantastic. And she was actually like at our hotel that Matt and I were staying at a Comic-Con that's and incredible. I ran into her in the lobby. And I was like, this is just the world is such a weird place. Yeah. yeah. So it is very fitting that uh, that it's the 25th anniversary because it just makes me feel incredibly old. For me, it was kind of the same thing with um, Crystal Lewis on Roundhouse. Same yeah. Same kind of thing, right? So it was nice to go back and watch all of those shows and and uh and just kind of immerse yourself in in the 90s again i thought that was was pretty awesome nostalgia nostalgia Mm -hmm. tons of nostalgia news all right so enough nostalgia let's let's get into the news with some some new stuff not nostalgia let's talk about star wars yeah so i was uh Picking picking up some groceries and I was checking the news feed this afternoon. So this is hot off the hot off the fake press or it's real press, but hot off the <laughs> hot off not the, an actual hot off the an actual press. It's the internet press. But right. Hollywood Reporter is reporting that there is indeed going to be an Obi Wan Kenobi film. Uh, it's in the very very early stages, but we are going to be getting it. Um, it's going to be directed by Stephen Daldry. Um, mm. who did Billy Elliot and the hours. So sort of more known for period dramas and sort of heavy stuff. Um, they don't really know if Ewan McGregor's back. Is it Ewan or Ewan? Ooh, I think it's Ewan, isn't it? Ewan. Ewan, isn't it? Ewan. I've always heard. Scott will, I've Scott will heard, know. He has po- his poster on the wall. I've always heard Ewan. I've Ewan? Never, yeah, I've never yeah, heard I've always it. heard Ewan. Never heard it pronounced the other way. Anyway, 
the guy from the Phantom Menace, he's he might be in it. <laughs> the guy from the Phantom Menace. <laughs> no, I love him. Um, we don't know if he's going to be in it yet. Uh, we just know that it is in fact going to be a reality. He has spoken in the past, and we talked about this on the show, but he's spoken in the past that he does want to do it. He's like still on board, still loves the character, and I think most fans, and I'm just going to speak for most fans, think that he's sort of the high point of those prequel films. So, Absolutely. Um, I think I think the prequel films are more about him than anything else in in the in those three films, right? I agree. I mean, and he has I think the most consistent performance throughout. I think he was able to I think a lot of what we see now is actors being um a little awkward in front of that green screen, you know, mm-hmm. for for all of their scenes just not really not really giving the performance that they're capable of. I mean, someone like Natalie Portman is a fantastic actress. And even she is like in some scenes, you're just like, oh, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like and that, you know, you're breaking my heart. Right. It could have um, been the direction, but it also could have been because she's standing like, you know, in a giant green room with like <laughs> green blobs floating around. They're like, know? OK, you're surrounded by lava. And she's like, what? I'm not even sweating. What's going on? <laughs> I know. She's like, I feel I feel fine. There's no lava here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he was he was still great in those films. And, um, you know, I, I'm eager to see what this is all about. Um, I, I think we've said this on the for, on the show before that none of us are huge fans. of The idea of doing these um, these these stories about characters that we already kind of know and love. I don't think that they're, they're necessary, so to speak. But there is a huge gap in Kenobi's story that um, that we really don't know a lot about. So, that you know, from from the end of episode three up until um, episode four, there's a huge gap in time. And we, you know, other than some of the, um, you know, additional novels and comics and stuff like that, we don't really know what happened with Kenobi. Uh, And he also, you know, he betrayed the Jedi order in a lot of ways. He had a relationship. Some people think he may have had a kid. Uh, So there's, there's a lot to the character. That's, that's pretty fantastic that I'm eager to see, you know, what they choose to do. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's more of the right choice than, even doing like a Boba Fett film or even a Yoda film for that matter, you know, just because like you said, there's so much there to explore in his character. That's sort of already known, but we really don't know. And I think that could be, that could be something worth exploring, especially if, if he, if he does come back to, to reprise the role, I think that would be the right move as well. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, a little bit older, you know, kind of set between set between the two um, trilogies, I think could be pretty fantastic. And, you know, I have theories about, uh, what the film could be about. If I were to, you know, head cannon it, I could create something pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, there's just, there's just so much that the character can do. Um, and you, you mentioned a Boba Fett film and I honestly think that the best Boba Fett film would just be a bounty hunters heist film. Yeah. Of uh, course. And that, yeah. and that would just be the most fantastic thing ever. Like you just, you just need to make it about a bunch of badass bounty hunters going on this impossible mission. And Boba Fett just happens to be one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so Yeah. <clears throat> Gamescom is next week, which is a week before PAX West. So for all the developers that are going to both, I pity you and I'm very, very sorry. Yeah. Uh, that is a terrible thing that's going to happen to you. But I don't know. I don't know if there are going to be any huge announcements um, at Gamescom this year. Do you guys think anything big is going to get released there or do you think it's just going to be? Well, the the thing that was hot off the griddle in my gaming um, universe is that uh, the Xbox social team, the PR team, basically hinted or no they i think they actually came out and said you know at our presser that we're going to have on saturday we're going to provide pre-order information to you regarding xbox one x so i'm guessing we'll know things like 
what kind of bundles there will be, if there's just going to be one unit or multiple, you know, SKUs for Xbox One X, just like there were for the S and um, probably when we can pre-order and when it will be available. So I think all of that stuff is pretty interesting. We already know what the, the price will be. I'd be interested to see if there are multiple prices, you know, given, you know, different hard drive sizes or different accessories that might be included with, with the console itself. So I think, I think that's something um, that I'm going to be keeping an eye on, on Saturday. How about you guys? Um, I'm excited. I think, I think it's cool that, you know, we're finally getting to the point where these pre-orders are actually going to pop up. Um, I don't, I, I don't foresee this selling out instantly, sort of like the, the switch has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely don't see it selling out like, uh, like the, you know, Nest mini and all that fun stuff. I'm uh, mainly because of the price point. Um, I do think the system's going to, going to do well, but it's also going to need, you know, it's going to need that killer app that people are like, Oh, this is why we need this, you know, this, uh, this 4k HDR juicy goodness, 60 frames per second. You know, people, people need a reason to, uh, to, to want to buy it. And right now I don't know if there's really, um, and, and pardon me, my, my ear hasn't been to the train tracks as, as, you know, as, uh, as good as it used to be, but I, I don't really think there's anything coming out that that's just saying that's going to scream. I have to buy an Xbox one well, or I mean, Xbox one X. Yeah, you're right. And I think the thing that adds to some of that confusion is, um, you know, which titles will be, will really get your bang for the buck from the console because, you know, it's something that I try to follow pretty closely and I'm even a little confused as to, you know, which titles are going to be 4k, which titles are going to be HDR, which titles will be both, you know, will all my games, uh, play better on, on the system natively because of some kind of, you know, up conversion that might be built into the console. So, um, I, I'm really, I'm really sort of confused as to what am I going to be able to do with my existing game library, you know, for games that I already have, if I do get an Xbox one X, how do I then unlock the additional, you know, visual quality or whatever kind of um, goodies I'll right, get get by doing that. So that's that's the confusing part. You guys don't have 4K TVs, right? No, no, I don't. no, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I there's almost no reason, honestly. Like the, the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, other than maybe Ash. Like I, I get that if you don't have the S, like you're dealing with some speed bumps right now. But to be dead honest, like I've had, I've been, I've had my 4K TV for like eight months now, seven months now. Mm-hmm. Right? When did I get it? And um uh like it's not that hdr is the deal which i think i said originally anyways but like hdr is the thing 4k is negligibly noticeable like even on a 55 inch tv that i sit like six feet away from because i live in brooklyn so it's like to me it's like man you know i would get that the one x to me and granted i'm not the same gamer as you guys i understand that but like it would be the last piece in the puzzle not the not the first you know i'd want the tv first i'd want like the setup to be right and then also like fair warning because i ran into this when i got my 4k tv it was all excited hooked it up realized that my receiver was too old and didn't have 4k pass through so i had to like wire around my receiver where everything went into the tv and then out to the receiver and then back to the t it was like a crazy setup so if you don't have 4K pass through in your receiver, you got to get a new receiver. Like, wow, it, it's a whole system changeover if 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 that happens, you know. But like, I agree. Like, I think they need you got to get some more games out. We got to see what's going to be in HDR. But I would list that HDR thing way over 4K. You're not going to notice it 
on your TV like you will on a computer monitor, mm-hmm. you know, sitting right in front of it where it's like your TV, you're, you're far enough away like that 4K kick in. I don't honestly usually even know if I'm watching in 4K like on Netflix or YouTube or Got whatever. It. Every once in a while I see it kick in and you can definitely tell when it's HDR 4K. But but beyond that, it's just kind of like, is this 4K? Like I watched a really high uh like up 1080 blu-ray the other day like uncompressed and it looked just as nice as any 4k thing i've watched right so. right 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 hey, I mean that's the thing like my my tv isn't even three or four years old at this point and uh the idea of replacing it is to i, I just can't like i have like, yeah i have tvs all over my house <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like it's absurd like you know there's literally one in every room yeah i mean because uh, they're so cheap now but it's like i can't even fathom like getting another large television because this this system um you know is asking for it so but, but like i said like scott and me maybe not because we, we went in on the s you know maybe we wait mm-hmm. a little bit till the x proves that it's got lineup and, and stuff to come with it but i could see if you were like well you know, I've got the old the the release Xbox One. It's chugging on me. Like I could definitely. There's a step disc it up. stuck in the console. There's a disc oh, stuck in the console God. that you can't get out. I mean, a good a good one. But I just want to watch the movie, guys. I won't even play. That's uh, oh, you can't I never, even play. I, I never got to play it. <laughs> it was the day I bought too. it. I know. I've been waiting um, years. Like I could see you stepping up to to the Xbox One X and fixing the rest of the stuff later or whatever, but. But yeah, I don't, it's just, it's a real hard, having just gotten the S, it's sort of a hard upsell if there's no, like, other than Forza Horizon is like the only game that I know of that's, sure. that's like immediately going to be an HDR 4K or sure. whatever. And uh, they, they just announced this week that Crackdown was pushed until um, next year, yeah. I think. So yeah. that was going to be one of those games as well. What I would expect to see at the Gamescom uh, briefing is maybe some kind of pitch to people that have 1080p TVs. Uh, maybe by saying something along the lines of, you know, even if you don't have a 4K TV, your Xbox games will load faster and, you know, play smoother, you know, with uh, less, less, um, you know, frame hiccups, I guess, due to, to processing issues. So I would expect to hear something like that as well. You know, what what are the benefits of the console to people that have, you know, are still sticking with their current television? So I, I don't know. That's kind of what I'm looking forward to as far as as far as their briefing goes, which I believe is on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. So that's when you can keep an eye on that one. Well, I'm, I'm excited. There's always a lot of good stuff that comes out of Gamescom just because it is literally the biggest gaming convention in the entire world. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, a lot of a lot of studios still hold on to stuff uh, for Gamescom. But, yeah, um, I'm kind of glad I'm not there this year. It's uh, it's it's big and in, in a lot of like not great ways. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. What's the, what's this deal with HBO and hackers? You guys not, not heard not the, yet? Well, I, I heard, but I want you to. Yeah. <laughs> I still want to hear about it. You could have played along. You could have said, no, tell me. And then I would have been like, well, no, Ash, t- let me tell, tell you. Tell me all about it. Uh, so HBO, uh, as many companies have been dealing with lately, have been dealing with uh, kind of malicious attacks on their service. And uh, it ain't looking good for them at the moment. They've hired a, a private security firm. And essentially at this point, what initially leaked was a script from upcoming Game of Thrones show. Uh, episodes of, I think, Ballers and Curb Your Enthusiasm leaked along with this, as well as apparently somewhere in the, like, I think it's like terabyte level of internal documents that they aren't Good even boy. sure of everything that got lost yet. And then in the wake of that, 
their Facebook and uh, Twitter accounts got hacked by a security firm saying like, hey, guess what, guys? You're not doing a good job at this. And then uh, they supposedly there was a Danish or one of their other arms accidentally released two episodes of Game of Thrones. It was a Spanish channel, I think, that, yeah. that put Game of Thrones out early. Put it out early and ended yeah. up on they actually aired, like They a, actually aired it. Yeah, They <laughs> aired it and then it ended up on Torrents like immediately. Like it was like not even funny how quickly that ended up on the internet. So they course, are yeah. they are getting just brutalized right now uh, with hacks and, and people on the internet. And, and really like there's not much to this news other than that sucks for them. But like I, every time this happens, I feel like every corporation should be looking around and going like, okay, how do we <laughs> not have this happen? Like how many of our passwords are terrible? You know, like it's like, uh, uh, I don't even know, but like, you know, like the name of the company or something ridiculous, like, right, that, right. like as your password. So, yeah, there, I saw a couple of theories the other day about that, that people thought that this was actually a marketing, uh, a marketing thing by HBO to, uh, to just, you know, generate a lot of press. But a, they just robot or something. Well, I don't know, but they don't. <laughs> but they don't need it. That's the whole thing. It's like, why would they ever? Why would they ever purposefully like no. leak stuff um, in shitty quality too? I know? mean, these are like, like, you know, I, I either know or don't know this fact that like, this is the kind of show or channel where like Game of Thrones is so big and so secret that like even when they're working with external partners you know like Amazon or Apple or whoever it might be like they don't give them anything either like no one gets this stuff ahead of time so the fact that this stuff is leaking out is is like it's so ridiculous to think that they'd be doing it on their own as some like weird propaganda for a show that already does very well you know and the other one's like curb your enthusiasm which is also going to be like one of the biggest comedies of the year it's just ridiculous. I think that didn't that whole season leak though the curb uh, season. I don't think it, I thought it was just a few episodes. Did it end oh, up maybe. the whole season? It might. Have I don't been. know. I, I may have misread it. But it keeps. I was just like, it oh, keeps man. happening. Like stuff keeps coming out about it. So like they they have not fixed the leak yet. Like stuff is still going. They they supposedly offered a two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar like bug bounty for anybody that can figure out how to stop this essentially, or how to figure out or, or hack them again or whatever. Wow, so, that's yeah. unbelievable. I saw that there was a tweet from uh, there was like one of those hacked tweets from last week tonight on their Twitter. Mm. Uh, I think it popped up like early this morning. So clearly there are still issues afoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They need to be addressed. Like what's crazy about that stuff. And this is just this is also another little security heads up for everybody out there. Like what's crazy about the Twitter hacks is usually those aren't like those aren't what you would traditionally think of as hacking. It's generally social engineering. It's generally like people calling and like cold calling into the office and asking for, you know, like they'll ask for a name and then they'll be like, Oh, I don't know who that is. Like, Oh, well I'm looking for the social media manager. And they'll be like, Oh, it's this person. And then they'll like hand them their phone number and then they'll call. Like they basically do this kind of backend routing where they manage to figure out pass. It's rarely like brute force password figuring Mm -hmm. out, you know, like, like they're actually like getting people to screw up and give them information that gets them into their, a lot of poking around and yeah talking to people yeah, that, and just kind that's of what happened they, with uh, or, like or, uh, at midnight in comedy central like that happened yeah. to them a little while ago too yeah or or like they do brute force their way into their system they get some internal documents somebody emailed the password to their twitter account you know in one of the documents and then it's like see you later like well that's all gonna get stolen like immediately so crazy stuff but you know i don't know it's it's weird i i don't know how much this actually affects them at the end of the day you know in lost revenue or anything i don't know 
other than people scrambling and paying. Well, I mean, cards. already Game of Thrones is pirated up the wazoo. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, I think the most pirated show on television right now, just yeah. because, I mean, it does have a very expensive barrier to entry. So like sure. a lot of people just aren't willing to pay that subscription fee to, to watch a single show. So sure. But yeah, crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. So do now, you actually, no, oh, go ahead. I, I was going to ask you, um, this movie pass AMC thing, I actually don't know anything about it. And I saw it jumping around in the news today and I was kind of curious what it's all about. If it, if so, it is what I think it is, it's awesome. It is Uh movie pass is a service that's existed for a while. I think we actually possibly talked about it on this podcast a little while ago. Um, it launched probably two years ago, maybe. Um, and basically at the time for me in New York, it was $35 a month. And I think for you guys in Florida, it might've been $20 a month and you could go see two movies. You get two movies and it's just you. So if you wanted you and your wife, it would have been $40 for you guys or 70 for me. And you could go see two movies at any movie theater. I think at any time, but you couldn't see like two movies in one day or one week. Like there were rules around what you could do. But um, the math was weird because it sort of worked out to exactly what it would cost to just go to two movies. You, like maybe you're saving two or three bucks, but that was about it, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think they did, were doing okay, but never really took off. And all of a sudden they just announced, well, we're going to drop our price to nine ninety nine unlimited movies. You can go to whatever movie you want, whenever you want. You, you can't go to more than one in a day, but that's the only rule around this. So for nine ninety nine dollars a month, insane. <laughs> you can go to AMC or Regal, and I want to say maybe United Artists. It's it's all the bigger chains. I don't think Alamo is part of it. How does that even like, work? How do, how do they make that work? So they're going to lose money. I mean, honestly, like if, if everybody were to buy in, this is what they want. They want a lot of subscribers. And then they want most of the subscribers to forget that they're paying nine ninety nine a month mm. for Movie Pass, and then that will equal itself out. And then they want the reality to set in that most of you really only have time to see like a movie a week tops, maybe once every two weeks. You know, like your your actual usage is going to go down. And then it's an insurance game. It's you know how much how much can you uh, like it's breakage is what it's called, but it's like how much can you make off of people who are basically not using their subscription versus mm -hmm. people who are. Uh, and then, you know, you hope the median is people who buy one movie a month and then you, you become such a giant force in the game that you force theaters to work with you on price. And then you get down to a, a premium where you're making money. Like that's, that's the whole, that's the bet. The bet mm -hmm. is that this will take off enough that they, they own a whole percentage of people wanting to go to movies, you know? Yeah. That's really fascinating. So yeah, we'll really see. Cool. AMC is super pissed off at it because uh, they originally signed up into this service when it was like $35 a month. And AMC probably saw it as like people who won't care. Mm -hmm. So the fact that MoviePass is doing this mid-contract seemingly and just taking the loss uh, has pissed off AMC because AMC feels like, well, why wouldn't everybody pay $99 a month, $9.99 a month to go see movies? over our ridiculous ticket price to come see a movie. And Seriously. I agree with AMC. That's why they should friggin' roll out their own service that does better than like, I mean, like that is always my challenge. This, this like reminds me AMC getting mad and threat. They're suing movie passes, essentially what they're doing to get out of the contract with them. Um, but that move is like exactly what like Sony records did when music went digital in the late nineties, early two thousands. they, they got pissed and they sued everybody around them and then tried to like circle the horses so that like or the wagons so that nobody could get to their content 
And what ended up happening was they gutted the industry and it died because they were like, they couldn't keep up with technology for one. And people voted. They were like, no, this is what we want to do. Like you figure out the other end of it. We want easy access to music, you know? And movie pass to me, I'm like, everyone that's heard this is like, what a great thing. I would pay 10 bucks a month because maybe you'll go see two movies in November and you'll only see one in December. But like that equals out over time, right? Like you're, Mm-hmm. likely going to use the service as much as you'd you'd want to to get your 120 bucks worth for the year or whatever i mean so, I'll, I'll tell you what i've i've never i'd i had not heard of movie pass until this story broke so yeah maybe in doing that you know yeah. maybe in doing that it at least drums up some publicity and i didn't look at the exact uh, i mean i will look at right now just to see um but i want to say it's nine oh their servers are down their servers are down uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, I want to say it's nine ninety nine a month, no contract. If I was movie pass, I'd want to do like the yearly at nine ninety nine a month and then mm-hmm. maybe like twelve ninety nine a month or something for, you know, people who are paying month to month. But I don't know. It seems like a really great deal. It's absolutely real. There's no weird catches from everything I've seen so far. If you live in a city where you mostly see movies at AMC and Regal and stuff, I would say go for it. Like, why not? You know, nine ninety nine a month. You can cancel any time. Cancel whenever you want. That's yeah. crazy. That's yeah. really crazy. It's really cool. It's a great deal. There you go. Yeah, and then the last thing, uh, quick Pete. What's that? No, you're good. Well, hey. Uh, the last, <laughs> last thing's just a quick piece of news. A thing we talked about a while ago. A thing that's well overdue and kind of ridiculous that it's 2017 and just now rolling out. But D and D Beyond, the um, digital accompaniment to fifth edition D and D is like I think fully live now and and out of beta as opposed to what it was before and it's three bucks a month for kind of basic level access and six bucks a month if you want to do teams and run dungeons and all that stuff um, but you get all of the content you get the basic books I think you can roll characters in the app and export them out and print them if you want or have them in the app and edit them while you're playing and it's basically just what everybody thinks should exist for a service like this, which is, you know, you can get on your iPad and play D&D and look up traits and run your character and make monsters and share spells and all that kind of stuff. That's uh, awesome. But it's fully live now, yeah. So. Very exciting. I'm, I'm, like, I'm so eager to play. It's been such, such a long time since I've played that, like, I yeah. think this is kind of the thing that I would need um, to, to kind of get back in there. Yeah, uh, gonna be a while but i still think this is great i've been running a work campaign and like it's fun and it's been mostly paper and pencil but the only reason i've been able to pull it off is that one of my coworkers is like a huge huge D nerd and he uh like just kind of knows all of the rules and stuff for fifth mm-hmm. so like when we would something would happen i'd kind of just look at him and be like am i doing it? he's like yeah this does this now and this is how spells work and i'm like all right cool so he's been my D beyond in the room that's awesome <laughs> But it'd be nice to have a digital tool like this, I think. And it looks nice, and it seems to work pretty well. So maybe worth it. I don't know. I haven't tried it out yet. Maybe we'll do a, a review of it at some point. I think we should. I think we yeah. should. Well, let's let's play some games at PAX. Hey, there you go. Hey, good segue. Hey. Dee, 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 dee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't lost the mojo. So, yeah, PAX is, <laughs> PAX is coming up in a couple of weeks. And um, I'm going. These guys might be going. We don't know. <laughs> hard to say it's a roll of the dice it's all it's 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 all good but we have uh some some fun panels and stuff that we're going to be a part of uh so this is just sort of a a shameless plug segment um 
there's three. The the first is the orientation, which I think we've all been on at some point, mm-hmm. uh, which is the one of the yeah. very the very first. Uh, it is, I think, the first panel at PAX. It's like the first thing on Friday morning, which is just a an introduction to PAX for for new folk. And it's actually a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. Um, it's going to be with a bunch of our pals. Mylan put it on. Um, Glenn White, who's the director of marketing and tech at EA. Uh, Amanda Erickson, who has been a friend of the podcast for a long, si- a long time. She's the community producer over at Spite, uh, Smite rather, for Hi-Rise Studios. And Hillary, who you all know and love. And uh, that one is just sort of an intro and a, 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 like a, a small gathering. A mixer, too. Yeah. There's a mixing yeah. activity. It's a mixing activity. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Um, the one that I'm like incredibly excited about is uh, one I'm throwing together called Can- uh, Canceling the Apocalypse, which is a like a like a live action role playing escape room um, choose your own adventure uh, story that I'm uh, in the process of making now. And uh, it's sort of a an interactive old school choose your own adventure um, it's kind of modeled after some of my favorite old choose your own adventure stories from the eighties, but this one's, uh, built for five players. So they have to decide together what to do and they get to interact with the audience. Um, sounds pretty crazy. Having, yeah. I'm having a really fun time making it. It's like, I think a, <laughs> it's stupidly like ambitious what I'm doing with it. Um, I've already spent probably like maybe 20 hours on it and I, I just, that's all I've been doing at night is like working on this stupid thing, which maybe like you know 50 people will show up for um, who cares this have... could be this could be the next um this could be the next royal rumble you know what i mean this could be the next yeah i, I think it's good we have a, like a really cool group of people uh showing up to play so uh razzler who's been on the show before Stephen bailey he's going to be on it um sissy jones from firewatch she's going to be on it uh hannah tell at her very first pack she uh she of course is from life is strange she's going to be on it um our pal mylan and uh, Anastasia, who's the community manager over at uh, XSplit, she's going to be on it as well. Sweet. Um, so they're a, a really fun, like, you know, uh, exciting group of people that I think will really enjoy being, being silly and, and role playing. So that is Saturday night. And then uh, in the Monday death slot, <laughs> <laughs> in the Monday death slot, it's going to be me talking to an empty room of people. No, uh, uh, they, they let us bring the origin stories panel back. And uh, this also has a, a fun group of people on it. And Origin Stories is just a, a way of people kind of telling the, the really kind of silly and ridiculous ways that they they broke into the industry. If you want to go back and listen to the first one, um, it was, uh, I think, a couple years ago at this point, maybe 2015. But the panel was great. We put it out, um, you know, in, into our feed. So if you do a search on, on Google, you can find it. And um, this one has uh, Amanda, who is also on the PAX Orientation from Hi-Rez. Uh, our pal Kate Dollarhide, who's been on the show many times, who's now at Obsidian. So, uh, you know, her story of how she broke in is pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Sissy Jones, who also has a really, really awesome origin story. Um, Abby Heppy, who was our very first interview. She's going to be there as well. And uh, her origin story is just like off the wall bonkers and involves like Larry Flint and like <laughs> Craigslist. And just it, it's a totally insane story that I can't wait for people to hear. And uh, Kelly Wallach, who's been on the show as well who is uh, the the founder of Indie Megabooth. I thought she Indie was the Megabooth. overlord. Of... She is the overlord. I don't know if she uses that title anymore, oh, I see. But, okay. um, but that used to be her title. So it's a really, really great group of people and all of their stories I've heard and they're all really just off the wall and crazy. Like Kelly was a scientist and 
you know, it's just like, it's just, it's really, really cool. So that is uh, Monday afternoon. So if you are planning on going to PAX, um, you just hit, hit us up on Twitter. I'll send you the information with all the exact times and all that stuff. And uh, we would absolutely love to see you there. talk about documentaries my favorite thing in the world yeah totally man have you guys heard of this documentary called icarus it's uh it's on netflix right now uh and i think it has a subtitle which i was going to look up really quick uh or it doesn't it's just called icarus have you heard about this i've not I've not heard of icarus when no. you said icarus the first thing i thought of was the uh the villain super weapon in die another day of course. Oh. Yeah. See, I thought of Kid That's Icarus, what... the uh, yeah. incredibly challenging NES game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Icarus follows uh, the director, whose name is Brian Fogel, um, and he set out to make a documentary about doping in the cycling industry. Uh, so this is like post Lance Armstrong. Uh, and I think he started shooting like in, I don't know, 2014, probably. Mm. Okay. And, uh, so he sets out to make this this documentary about doping, and he sets his sights on this kind of pro-am cycling race in France that that mimics the uh, what's the big one, Le Mans, or that's cars. What's the French, the the Tour de France, Tour de France, yeah. yeah. Um, so it kind of mimics that. It's it's seven days of the Tour de France thing or something, and he says, "Well, I'm gonna dope, I'm gonna I'm gonna like you know use HGH and all these hormones and stuff to." get better see if it improves me and that's going to be the documentary is going to be a kind of you know like that kind of style documentary following me so he gets in touch with uh some guys from wada which is the world association of like anti-doping association or something and it's about it they follow sports and they're the ones who inform the olympics committee and everything about you know the practices that they should be using to detect doping all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and he contacts one of the guys there and the guy says, well, I can't do a whole lot, you know, for you on camera. I can kind of tell you what people, we, what we found out about cycling. So they kind of go through this history about cycling. And he goes, but you really should talk to a friend of mine, Nikita from Russia. He runs the biggest uh, dope, doping lab, you know, like a detection lab in Russia and basically in the world. It's the highest tech lab. It's the one that IAC uses and, in, 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 or not IAC, IOCA. IOC. IOC. Um, and Wada uses like, he's, he's the guy and they're like, all right. So he Skypes this Russian guy and the Russian guy dives in head first and starts going like, well, here's what you got to do. Here's the combinations of things you need to use. And here's, here's the schedule you should be on all this stuff. He kind of starts talking about it and the director does it and he goes and does the race. And this is like the first, I'm talking about the first 15 minutes of this documentary. Oh my God. He goes and does the race and does better, but it's not crazy better. And he comes back and talks to the Russian guy. And the Russian guy's like, oh, you weren't supposed to do a race yet. That was only the beginning of how you dope up to do this, how you get stronger. So they start talking. And then lo and behold, not even like a quarter of the way through this documentary, it takes a hard right turn because the Russian doping scandal breaks during it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember. So. Mm -hmm. 
So Russia, a few years ago, gets accused of doping for, was it Sochi, I think was the first one Mm -hmm. they were accused on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Nikita is, the guy in the documentary, is kind of in the middle of it. And he, they, they start having some talks where he's like, he starts admitting that something's going on in Russia, but he's not really super clear at first. And then uh, it keeps kind of expanding from there. And you're watching what's crazy is that he's filming. All of this is happening. Like it's not, he's not controlling it anymore. Like the documentary just left his hands entirely. And this stuff is just happening because he happens to be talking to one of the main guys in Russia that deals with this stuff. So it's like uh, one of these, one of these documentaries that sort of takes a, a life onto its own. Yeah. Just you by virtue clearly of tell, being there. Yeah. You can clearly tell he wanted like a Morgan Spurlock, very controlled kind of about me documentary. And this thing just spirals about 30 minutes in. Like it, it turns so hard and it becomes about uh, this Russian doping scandal. And then it turns out this guy Nikita isn't involved. He was basically the head of it. And he goes on camera stating that Putin himself was the guy <laughs> who did this. And then Nikita leaks all of his documents to the Times. This all You guys might remember this happened. This happened like a year ago. Mm-hmm. The Times broke this huge story about Russian doping, and it was this guy, Nikita, and it happened during the documentary. Like, he's filming all of this stuff while it's happening. And then uh, Nikita flees Russia, comes to America, kind of in fear of his life. He goes sort of into hiding, and then it just explodes. Like, it goes absolutely crazy. It is one of the most tense documentaries I've probably ever watched. Uh, Wow. You learn so much craziness. The the what's not the KGB anymore? The FSG or the FS? I don't even know. Whatever their new anti like their equivalent of the CIA mm. used to be the KGB, but they've changed it. Um, they're involved, and they talk about how they're involved, and it basically Nikita outs the entire government of Russia, saying that everyone from him all the way up through Putin were aware, involved, and encouraging this, and at one point states that basically Russia has been doing this since like the seventies. Like it's like, it's, it's crazy. The scope of this documentary is absolutely insane. It's shot really well. The storytelling is super engrossing and half of it's just because it's happening like in absolute real time. Uh, it's not super heavily edited or at least it doesn't feel like it to make you feel one way or the other. It, it really feels like they're just like, this is crazy. We're just going to keep shooting and, and telling everybody what's going on. That is super wow. wild. Um, yeah, there is a bunch of stuff that happens and I won't ruin some of the, I mean, not that there's much to ruin. You could like quick Google and find out what's going on in it. But, uh, there's, there's some like really crazy moments where, you know, Nikita learns that a friend died and there's like protective custody and all there's, it just, it just goes crazy. And like, you don't know if he's going to get arrested halfway through the documentary by America, like in America, it's the whole thing's insane. Uh, it's it's shot really well. It's done really well. The story is, you might not be into cycling or Olympic sports or whatever, but it's like so much bigger than that. It's like it's it's really kind of incredible. So, that's the reason I brought it up. I had put it on as background. I had been working on our site as I had told you guys, and I put this movie on just to like I usually throw documentaries on for background because I just I like documentaries mm-hmm. a lot. And mm-hmm. and although that's a weird thing to say, I put them on in the back. <laughs> like them so much <laughs> but uh, i put this on in the background and and like not even 20 minutes in i had like closed my laptop and was just staring at the screen watching because it was just so nuts so um highly highly recommended it's on netflix right now it just came out like a week and a half ago it's called icarus 
uh, and it is it is absolutely worth the. I think it's maybe an hour and a half to two. Long. Uh, yeah, about two hours long. So, but insanely worth it. It's it's incredible. It's not what you think it is at the very beginning. It changes very quickly. So, uh, uh, yeah, check it out. Cool. That sounds it sounds crazy yeah. cool. I, it I, it's funny crazy. what you said. I used to I used to watch documentaries. I did like one summer um, when I was teaching. I would watch like one a day. I think I did it yeah. for like the whole summer. And it is something you can kind of put on the background because a lot of times just the audio is enough to like learn what you need to learn. Like you don't necessarily need to see yeah. the, vi- the visuals. So it is good background stuff. I agree. Um, yeah, so, but I watch a wide variety of them. Some of them will be like different and whatever. But but yeah, it's it's really yeah. They're watchable. Go ahead. Anyways. Um, so Titanfall Assault, full disclosure, um, I have done some freelance work for these guys. Um, Particle City is based here in Orlando. I've known a lot of the devs for, for a long time and worked with some of them before at my last job. Um, and so this game just came out a couple weeks ago. I um, helped them out with the launch stream. Uh, but But in all honesty, I think this game is fantastic. So uh, have either of you guys had a chance to play it yet, Titanfall Assault? Um, I I wasn't because I tried to play on the launch day, yeah. And the servers were very full, and then um, I was just busy with work and some personal stuff afterwards. So I haven't had a chance to play. But I was like, I watched some of the stream. I thought you did a great job. I watched the gameplay. Oh, thanks, looks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was super cool, and the um, gameplay looked really interesting. So I want to hear about it. I want to hear about what the game is actually like to play. Well, yeah, so uh, it, 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 go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was going to say, I did get to play. I played through the beginning tutorial and did up to, I think I just got through the opening tutorial thing. But yeah, I played it. The game's gorgeous. It's it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's a really, really pretty game. And it, it's weird, like, um, to talk about a game that, like, you know people that, you re- like, know people really well that worked on it. And in all honesty, like, I wouldn't talk about the game if I didn't think it was really cool and i definitely wouldn't talk about it on our show if i didn't think it was really cool but i did th- i think they did a spectacular job with it um it is uh it's a free-to-play game available on ios and android right now uh developed by particle city with help from respawn uh published by nexon and uh you know if you've ever played a game like uh, clash of clans it's very similar um you have a number of different units that are kind of presented as cards you build a deck um the deck in Titanfall Assault consists of three Titans, uh, three pilots, and then three of your burn cards, which are anything from turrets to mines to different unit types. And um, your goal is to you know, capture, capture points on the map or to take out the enemy base. And uh, it's all played in, in real time as an RTS. And each match is fast, generally about three, four, five minutes. Visually, it looks awesome, like the battle between the Titans and all the units on the map just looks like it's it's absolutely fantastic to look at. They went with this sort of a sort of a Clone Wars-esque um, art aesthetic, which is uh, something that the art director, Chris, is like a, a big fan of. So it has this sort of cartoony look to it, which actually fits the Titanfall universe really, really well. Oh, it looks incredible. It's like yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's it's really, really gorgeous. And especially for a mobile game, it's just like, you know, looking at it at 60 frames per second on a retina display, you're just like, holy cow, Like they just knocked it out of the park. There's really gorgeous animation for all the Titans. And, um, you know, I haven't spent a dime on it yet, and I've probably put maybe 10 hours in realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really, uh, really sweet progression system that kind of ranks you up through different um, 
uh, you know, different rankings and you get unlocks along the way. Um, loot, loot crates come very readily. You get them just for logging in. You get them from completing objectives, winning matches. Um, you know, I can't speak highly enough for this game. It's really cool to have a, a, a mobile studio or a studio in general in Central Florida uh, create and I you know, uh, create a game like this that is so unique and uh, performs so well. So I'm happy for the guys. I think everybody should give it a shot. Um, I think it, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's good to see something so unique and cool come out of the town that uh, that I'm in. So agreed. No, I mean, that's yeah. that's super amazing. And, you know, like you said, even if it wasn't based in Orlando, uh, it would still be a really phenomenal game. Like, the you know, just, you know, it passes the eye test, right? It looks like a quality game. It, it, it runs very smoothly. It looks really nice. And so, um, I, I think that's kind of what is, what is lacking in a lot of, uh, games, especially in the mobile space is just like the overall presentation. And I feel like, um, this game really nails that. And then once you start to dig, uh, down deep under the surface, you can see there's a lot of options for customization and different types of things that you can do as far as your strategy goes. So, yeah, that's um, the thing that, um, that really I'm, I'm a huge fan of in games like this. Um, the fact that, you know, in, in same with deck building games, like games like Hearthstone and stuff mm-hmm. and, and collectible card games, um, you can really get creative with, uh, the way that you build your deck out. And even though there's only essentially nine cards in Titanfall Assault, you can still build some really unique, uh, teams. So you could build a team of snipers. You could build a team of, of all, you know, robots. You could build a team that's, uh, revolves around just destroying your enemy base and not trying to capture nodes, or you can create a really fast team that where all the card costs are really low and have your guys out really fast. So there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do to, um, to really, you know, kind of have a unique playing experience. And that's one of the things I've been really enjoying doing is just building these kind of off the wall decks and, and trying them out on other people. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely give it a shot. Uh, Titanfall Assault, it's free. So you, you can't really lose anything. <laughs> yeah. So go for it. Nice. What is, what is a uh, fable fortune? Yeah. When, when you were talking about, um, Titanfall Assault, it reminded me, you know, in the span of the last six weeks since we talked, um, I was playing a game called fable fortune, which was, uh, which is a collectible card game spinoff of the Fable IP. Uh, the game is currently in early access on Xbox and Windows 10. And um, I just wanted to quickly talk about it because I thought it was really interesting. Um, I did spend a few hours playing through the game. And so it is, you know, on the surface, it is Hearthstone-esque in the sense that it is a online card game where you can do PvP, compete against other people. Um, you, you know, open loot chests and collect cards and you use those to build decks. And those decks are based around um, specific avatars, you know, just like Hearthstone. So you would, but they're fable related, right? So you'd pick like the shapeshifter or you'd pick, you know, someone who's like a healer or someone who's focused on doing direct damage or putting out a lot of like weenie characters and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I wanted to quickly mention the game because of the things that I perceive to be different from Hearthstone. Um, in this game, there are uh, objectives that you complete while you're competing either in in PVP or the other game modes. And so as you do that, like you might have an objective that says something like, um, you know, deploy four characters that have a cost of less than four, for example. And then when you do that, okay, that's smart. Yeah. When you do that, 
quest, you know, they call it a quest because it's fable, right? So once that quest is completed, you're able to sort of rank up your avatar. Your avatar has, uh, you know, a special ability just like it does in Hearthstone, but that ability can evolve over time as you complete objectives throughout the course of a match. So, um, and because it's fable, you can either choose to go like a, you know, like a paragon or a renegade path, you know, depending on how you want to shape your, your gameplay experience. So, and you can do that three times in a match. So basically you can change what your special ability does, um, by ranking up, doing the quest three times in the, in the course of a match as you're, you know, act, actually as you're competing against your opponent in the game, which I thought was a really cool twist on the Hearthstone formula. The thing that I really love about this game is that they are um, working on a mode where you play against like a big bad, like a boss. And Ooh, it's, that's cool. It's going to be like, that. yeah, it's like their weekly challenge. You play against a boss that's inspired by lore from the Fable universe, um, but you play in co-op with a partner. Which, oh, that's really yes, cool. Yes, yes. So that's super awesome. And the way that co-op works is that you and your teammate both get your own deck of cards that you bring into battle, but you can then, um, you take turns. So, you know, if, if Matt and I were teammates, for example, Matt would take a turn, the AI takes a turn, I take a turn, the AI takes a turn, right? So your, okay. your team is alternating who gets a chance to take a turn, but you then have all of the power of your cards for your specific character, which means that now you can work with your teammate to build combos based on two different, you know, avatar characters that would have not been possible before because, you know, certain cards are restricted to certain characters in the game, just like in Hearthstone. Right. Um, and then it kind of opens up this interesting, um, gameplay mechanic where, you know, either you and I are working directly with one another to figure out what to do in order to beat the boss. And of course, you know, because it's a boss character, the challenge is much harder than it would be if you were just playing, you know, something in training or somebody else in PVP, they have abilities that are you know, I would almost consider to be unfair, like depending on who you're playing against that week. Um, yeah. I played a lot of those rounds. They didn't have the functionality built in that would allow you to choose who your teammate was or even communicate with your teammate. So a lot of times I was trying to figure out the intention of my teammate that was randomly assigned to me through matchmaking um, in order to beat the boss and the really the only thing that you can do in the build that I played when the when the game was first launched is that you could kind of like highlight a card kind of like call attention to something that you want your teammate to look at but you can't like tell them what to do right because there was no chat or anything at the time uh -huh. um, so I was just like tapping on a card and being like if you play this I can play that and we can win this match right it's like so you're trying to trying to spell that out for them but they they will add in the future you know, the ability to communicate and that, you know, to do your own matchmaking and bring, bring people on. And of course, as you complete those challenges, you get more packs to unlock. And so that's kind of the, the loop, right. That you go into. Um, but I thought it was worth talking about because, um, you know, I'm a long time fable fan. I think this game would appeal to hearthstone fans that are looking for something different or maybe tired of hearthstone. Um, it's currently available on, uh, it's early access, but it's available on Xbox one windows 10. It's cross play. Um, I'm mean cross by rather. And, um, it's actually available on steam and steam. Uh, they are supporting cross play. So if you do play on Xbox or windows 10, there's a chance that you'll be matched up with, um, steam opponents or steam teammates as well, depending on the mode that you're playing in. So, um, I hope this game succeeds because it's based in the fable universe. And I would like to not see that universe go away, even if it is just a card game. So, 
um, that is Fable Fortune. It's available now. Early access. I'm glad. I, I like the the co-op versus bosses. That's definitely my, my favorite part of Hearthstone are the story story missions. It's cool, versus, man. Like, yeah. Oh, there's a new one stuff. out. I didn't even. I forgot to say that. It's cool, what and is? I I don't know. I don't know if they are working on any kind of story content because I I played the game right when it came out, so they have a lot of milestones that they're still trying to hit. Um, but I, I do think that there's something that they are working at. And, um, I mean, just the, just the co-op thing, I'm like, I'm all co-op these days, right? I'm not like a big PVP guy, uh, in any, you know, genre of gaming, but, um, anytime that you add co-op, especially to something like a card game, um, that is pretty, pretty interesting to me, especially, um, because it's a card game, right? You can easily break something like that when you put two different teams together. So, right. Um, right. Interesting to see how that plays out. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is agents of mayhem, which is, I'm the, so excited to hear about this. Yeah. It's the new, um, I, I don't Volition, know. Right. Yeah. It's, it's volitions. They call it like a, like a spinoff series from saints row. Um, and I, I, I believe that in one of the expansions to saints row, all the characters were starting to develop these abilities, I guess. And you could kind it's of three, right? Is that three? I think it was saints row three three or four or four. I think it was four. Yeah. When they, they go into the virtual reality and they start getting oh, yeah. powers and become stuff, like yeah. pa- superheroes and stuff like that. So I think, I think this game is supposed, I think it's supposed to exist in one of like the alternate timelines of the saints row universe, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, it is at its kind of like in the most generic sense, it is a, an open world, um, third person shooter with uh, a pretty strong um, RPG customization mechanic, if that makes any sense. Um, You're speaking my language right now. Yeah. And that's, that's why I, I, right away, I, you know, our, our buddy Jen, you know, tweeted about how she got the game and was really enjoying it. She mentioned a couple of things about it. I decided to pick it up as well and played a couple of hours. And I'm kind of like, um, you know, the hot take is, is that it's, it's probably not the most amazing game you'll ever play, but I, I right now, right this second, I want to go and play this game. Like once we hang up the call, like I want to go play. Right. And so I think that speaks to how I'm enjoying the game. So, um, let's talk about what it is exactly. So the idea is that, um, you, um, are a part of this, you know, superhero team called the agents of mayhem. You are trying to thwart, you know, a similar group of superhero villains, which I can't remember. I think it's called Legion is their name. Okay. Um, but it all kind of like has that, that part of the story has a very kind of like GI Joe vibe to it. Right. Is that like, you know, all the main, there's like a cast of main bad guys. And then there's a cast of, you know, good guys, just like there is in GI Joe. Like you, you even knew who the bad guys names were. It's not just like uniformed person. Right. 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 Um, and the game is very sort of heavily drenched in like a Saturday morning cartoon aesthetic. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, even the loading screens, like a random character from the game will appear on a loading screen. Um, they'll they'll give you either like a tip that's relevant to the game or they'll just say something that's kind of like in character. And then it'll be like, Agents of Mayhem, you know, like the, <laughs> the more you know, that kind of thing. I love it. Um, the game has a lot of voice acting, which I think is awesome for us. Um, characters are um, like, there's a lot of like, banter in missions there's banter in loading screens like a lot of the game that i've encountered so far has been fully voiced which i think is awesome um what you're doing in the open world is kind of interesting too because you don't just play as one character you play as three characters simultaneously 
and you have the ability to they're not all like on the screen at one time but you can switch between them on the fly right Um, i think there's a total of 12 characters in the game Um, you pick three that you want to go into open world with and then during the course of whatever you're doing in the open world whether you're playing a mission or just exploring or doing side quests you can toggle between the characters while you're fighting and um, just like in an rpg each character has their own health bar so it kind of works to your advantage you know if you're using a certain character their health gets low you switch to someone else fight for a while and then when you come back to the other character they're like ready to go again right mm-hmm. um the game has rpg customization elements that kind of remind me of of I don't know, almost like Borderlands a little bit. It's not like the same skill trees because you put points into like certain abilities, but you get this, like there's three customization slots and you just get like tons of gear as you level up to kind of basically mold each character into how you want to use them, right? So there are characters that are, like you would expect, there's like tanky characters and shooty guys and people that are more focused on stealth or melee combat or... um or being like snipers. Right. And it kind of has a overwatch or like a gigantic vibe in the sense where like all the characters are different. Um, every character has their own meta, if you will. Um, pretty much like every time you unlock a new character, you play only as them and you learn about what their backstory is. Um, all of the cutscenes in the game are animated as like Saturday morning cartoons. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So you'll be in game and then there'll be like a, a cutaway. Right. And it kind of just looks like something straight out of GI Joe where there's, you know, there's a battle or you, you encounter a new character and what their background is and how they grew up and stuff like that and why they joined uh, agents of mayhem. So um, there's just kind of like a lot to like about the game. It kind of still has that same lightheartedness that you find in a saints row game. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really enjoying it. There's, there's a lot to like. I think if, I think if you're a borderlands fan, and you were sort of let down by Battleborn, you might like mm-hmm. this game just because of it's like an open world shooter, right? Um, right. If you like the meta of Overwatch and you wish that a game like Overwatch had more of a campaign, like you might like this game. If you just enjoy open world games or you enjoy Saints Row, I think you would like this game. And then, of course, the nostalgia piece is really nice too. Um, that being said, um, it is a third person shooter it's more of like in the halo style than gears of war there's not like a cover mechanic and i kind of wish there was Um, okay something else that kind of irks me is that there's um there's not a way that i've found to switch the shoulder which like is it hampers you right because if there's not a cover mechanic you and you're always firing out of the right hand you want to be able to kind of like switch back and forth depending on you know what i mean like if you're on the corner of a building, you don't want to have to move your entire body out of the corner of the building. And I, I don't know if that's 100% true, but I haven't found the button. I mean, if it is true that you can switch shoulders, I haven't found that button yet. Okay. Um, but there you have, it. it's still fun. You know, every character just like overwatch has like, um, you know, a special ability. They have like a passive ability and then kind of like an overload ability. Once their meter builds up, you know, it's like a mayhem ability. Yeah. Um, so there's just a lot of strategy built in. It's not just like, you're not just playing as one character throughout the entire game. You can pick the characters you want, build the team you want to build. You know, there are certain characters that are better at shields, some that do armor, some that are better at taking down bosses, stuff like that. 
um, you can drive around in cars. It's an open world game. And then there's kind of like a traversal mechanic that's not as fluid as Sunset Overdrive, but you can definitely get up to the rooftops pretty quickly and then just kind of start dashing around and like triple jumping and stuff like that too. So um, I think I've kind of described the vibe of the game, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, um, no, it sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. It sounds just like a kind of a, a popcorn adventure. Yeah, and yeah. and that's I think I think that's the takeaway, right? Is that it's not going to be I don't think it's going to be the best open world game you've ever played and you know, at times some of the you know, the switching from moving your character to then kind of like getting into like the shooting mindset even though you're not actually switching any modes like in the game or on the controller, like that doesn't always feel natural like sometimes it's a little clunky kind of getting getting switching between traversing traversing the environment and then kind of getting into a combat situation feels a little clunky sometimes so there there are parts of the game that are feel a little rough around the edges right but overall it is fun to play and like you said it's like a popcorn game like you can play this game um and have a really great time doing it and maybe you'll put you know, 20 hours into it and go like, all right, I'm great. And then move on to something else. And I think that's fine. Um, because it's an open world game. There's tons of, tons of do. Right. But, um, it's got, right. it's got like a huge voice cast. Um, Oh, the other thing I didn't mention is that like every time you, your base is kind of like almost like a shield facility. Right. So you can kind of run around like your home base and talk to all the characters. And one of the characters who basically lets you build consumable weapons and gadgets is, voiced by um i can't remember her actual name but she's astrid from fringe which is like oh cool yeah so yeah, I, yeah. I, I noticed her right away like heart eyes i love her it's she's already my favorite character in the game so um super cool you know skins for your characters all that stuff like the whole nine yards right so it's just it's just a blast i feel like they they got a lot of things right i saw some pretty um negative reviews about this game and i just think that it's unfair to review the game so poorly given that I think they put a lot of attention to a lot of other things that you would want out of your open world gameplay experience. So, um, I, I would say it's definitely worth a shot. Um, and to give it a try, let me give one example of like something that I thought was like a, a case where somebody looked at something and went, Hey, we can do better in our open world game than like what we've seen so many times in the past. And here's a great example, right? you're playing an open world game, you're driving a car um, and then like you're going at top speed and you reach your destination and you want to get out of the car. And nine times out of 10, what does your character do? They like pop the door open and fumble out of the car and take like half your life away. Cause you took damage from right. jumping out of a moving car. Like, okay, in this game you're a superhero, right? So you stop the car, the car automatically like skids to the side, like back to the future and you pop out ready to fire. Right. Um, so I feel That's like cool. there's a lot of attention to detail. Um, that I think makes the game worth playing. Um, and I think it's just fun too. So that's agents of mayhem. Um, there is some online co-op, but I haven't seen it yet because you need to level up a little bit. So, um, maybe I'll talk about that next time. Cool. Yeah. I was hoping there'd be some sort of co-op. That sounds like fun. I think it's like the same co-op in sunset overdrive where it's just kind of like a mode where you can join up with like three or four other people and then just kind of run around and cause some trouble. And then you go back into your single player experience, it's primarily a single player game. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, Agents of Mayhem. Cool. Let's hear about Tacoma. Please. Tacoma. So this is the uh, follow-up to Gone Home from, uh, is it Fulbright? Yes. It is Fulbright, yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud on the show. I never ended up playing Gone Home. Oh, really? 
It's good. How dare you? Yeah, yeah, I know everybody loves it. But, I, I mean, know you guys seriously, you should play it though. <laughs> I know you guys recommended it endlessly. Um, I will play it as soon as I watch uh, Future Robot Cop or whatever that show was that you oh, really uh, almost watch. human. Yeah, there we go. It was a future Future Robot Cop. Might have done better. Let's did you? I mean, let me ask you this: Did you? Did you have? Did you have feelings playing Life is Strange? Did that give you feelings? Sure. Because I mean, that's that's kind of like in the wheelhouse for you know whether or not you should play Gone Home, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, I know it's an experience game, much like Tacoma, the yes. game I played. Yes. Um, so I'm not all the way through. It's not a long game, but I have not finished it um, yet completely. Uh, so I will not be spoiling anything because I can't. Um, but okay. I don't feel like there's probably a whole lot to spoil here. Basically, you play uh, Amy, right? Amy. Oh, boy. We're reaching <laughs> into the recesses of the mind. Amy, yeah. Uh, you play as Amy, a uh, space astronaut tasked with going to an abandoned ship, um, space station type ship, to see what happened, essentially. Uh, and you're in the near future. And um, you have this sort of AI assistant that allows you to play back through uh, conversations and interactions of the crew on the ship. So you can go into a room, you'll get kind of a... Uh, a marker that there's there's story here that you can get mm-hmm. and then it'll literally put these kind of 3d humanoid shapes in the room and they're different colors for the different characters that you're you're listening to and you get to kind of peek in on their conversations listen to them talk you can there's little uh thought bubbles that pop up on your timeline and you have this little timeline on the bottom where you can rewind and fast forward through well, that's the cool. conversations and those little bubbles alert you to the fact that you can get kind of like extra story on those specific characters. So that's cool. So yeah, so you'll be, you'll be watching like a scene and the, you know, the head of the ship will be there and she's talking on the phone or something. And there'll be like a bubble that pops up. And if you, that's pink. So it's like coordinated to her. And then if you're in the room with her, when that bubble pops up, you'll get a little dialogue marker on her and it pulls up this kind of, uh, it'd be like a, like a, uh, futuristic kind of like you know iron man display of of panels that you can interact with to see more backstory either on that character or like the moment in time that you're at or, or the ship or whatever it might be um and it really kind of fills in these kind of holes in what the character is talking about in that moment um the game itself i imagine is the same as gone home in both pacing and kind of task which is really you're just kind of traversing through this ship at a, at a sort of slow pace and just watching this story unfold about yeah. these characters and i mean I've, I've said this on the podcast before but it's you know they the genre or kind of like whatever the term is given to it is a walking simulator and mm-hmm. i i never use that term in like a derogatory way because i enjoy the experience of kind of like you immerse yourself in an environment and then kind of learn whatever the the story of the game is just kind of by participating in the environment, I guess, if that's the right way to describe it. And there's no, yeah. no combat or anything and no, no, no puzzles to solve. Traditionally, you just kind of like what, what there were like some really, really, really minor puzzles mm-hmm. to solve here. Yeah. But what gets weirder here that I think uh, probably wasn't the case in gone home since gone home, I assume focused more on you interacting with things to find out the story. Yes. Yeah. It was just exploration the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
this is really more you trying to like find the the different characters on this ship and hear out what was playing at that moment in time. And the time can be like very near to when you are standing on the ship to like a lot, like a year beforehand. And it's not necessarily always linear from room to room. Oh, so you're trying to kind of like piece it together. If yeah. You you're kind of like putting it together as it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, the voice acting is all excellent, which is absolutely required in this game. Cause it is basically 90% of the game is listening to characters talk. Uh, but the, I will say that the pacing, it really depends on how you want to play it. If you're playing it as a like game that you can beat, it's going to be probably super boring. Like it, cause you can kind of just bounce point like room to room, get through the conversations very quickly. And I assume the end comes up kind of quickly. I, uh, I think that would be true of many like walking simulator type games. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of true of Firewatch too, or, you know, Dear Esther, any of those games. Yeah, but there's we... more, so you're not doing anything in this game. There's mm-hmm. almost nothing for you to really interact with or do. Like, mm-hmm. you are literally sort of just walking to the people. There, You can interact with the environment, and some of it is required sometimes to get through more parts of the story, which is part of the, like, minor puzzle type thing. Like, you have to kind of, like, watch what a, one of the characters does, like, punch in a code and then punch it in after them and follow in a room or, or like, see a thing that they interacted with so that you can go and, like, open a locker and get more details. Like, there's just all this stuff that, that those are both really early on, but, like, there's stuff in the game that that you can interact with to get more story, to kind of, mm-hmm. like, find out more background as to what's going on with these characters and their lives and why some of them are frustrated and why some of them are fighting and maybe what ultimately happened on this ship. Um, but at the same time, it, it's it's not Firewatch-esque in the sense that you literally have tasks to do. Sure. You know what I mean? Like oh, you yeah. literally yeah, have yeah. things no, you're you right. to That's interact different. with and do. Right, right. So it feels a little different than that. It's, it's a little bit drier. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's a really fun game. I mean, it's really... Uh, it's not fun's the wrong word. It's a very engaging game like it's a very you kind of get enthralled in this story and kind of understanding these people's lives but it's not you know it's it does lack a little bit of i don't know uh if excitement's the right word or driving force like there's no real push i guess for you to continue i guess you know the thing I mean? that the thing that propels you forward in those games is sort of your you you the player your own personal interest in learning what what right. happened right yeah um so I, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair to say, right? Obviously, you're not you're not trying to, um, you know, to dispatch bad guys or um, sure, you know. Or... And I don't know that you need that. I, I just feel like that. Like I haven't. I feel like I'm probably if I had to wild guess, I'm about halfway through the game, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I've been hooked narratively yet or story wise yet. Ah. There are mm-hmm. there's some really amazing moments and some really interesting things to take like notice of and just kind of be present for if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's not there's no i don't know what gone home had other than a creeping sense from what i hear from you guys there's no like i gotta get i got oh man what happened here like that hasn't really hooked me yet um but it is it is such like a finessed game like it feels good while you're playing and it works really well and moving through the different rooms works and the space station has this sort of ominously creepy space station vibe you know which i think is just part of that nature nature of like being alone in space mm-hmm. but but there's just yeah, there's just one it, it just feels like i need like one hook like i need one 
thing. And there, and there's a driving moment that I think was supposed to have more impact that didn't as much for me. It's also hard to know where you're supposed to go in the space station. I think you have sort of free roam. That's that's and, the real challenge of yeah. designing these games. I, I played through Dear Esther, for example, with the commentary on, and they kind of talk about, you know, in designing these games, because there's no combat to push you forward, that, you know, what they try to do is they try to funnel you into the correct places, uh, you know, by putting cues in the environment that, you know, hopefully your eye will follow, making right. sure that, like, specific you know, musical cues play at the right time that kind of evoke the right kind of responses from you as you play the game. And so, um, and they do, they do a sense of that. They have these like handwritten cardboard signs that are up all over the place. And mm. then there's like big digital kind of space stationy signs and things that are kind of pointing you and objects that kind of move you in certain directions. So they definitely guide you, but mm. if you felt the need to break, like, I think you have full option to just be like, nope, and go the other way if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, that's a tricky um, thing too. And I think I think it would have been very easy to kind of get even turned around a little bit in a game like Gone Home sure. uh, for the same for the same reason. So, I, I, I mean, I think that's fair, right? Because you can always, yeah. as a player, you still need to have some sort of freedom of, of choice, even if you are kind of being funneled through a linear story, you still, you know, if you want to go back and look at something, you should be able to yeah. do that. So that's and I kind think of the that's, trick. That's, that's the key. I think what you just said, being able to go back and listen to some of these conversations again, being able to like go through, you can go to one room and replay it 15 times if you want to, and just follow one character three times to see if you miss something or like jump to a different character and then go back when you learn something like you can listen because they'll be in different kind of rooms in the same area like two people will have one full conversation while another one's doing something else somewhere like it's very broken up and you have to Mm -hmm. kind of follow them around and and listen to what they're doing and it's probably a completionist nightmare which is partly why i might feel it's a little dry at times because i'm a hundred percent like walking around to every single character and trying to get every piece of detail that I can and open every locker and every drawer. But I don't know that it's definitely that kind of game, but I will say this, the sense is perfect. The sci-fi like nature and and setting is like perfect for me. It's it's why I picked it up over over ever playing God home. I totally like it. Yeah. Yeah. it, It plays really smoothly. Story seems good so far. I, I might be missing a hook, but it's not, it's not like I'm just like bored off my ass while playing it. It's definitely not like that at all. So I'd recommend it if you haven't picked it up yet, or if you liked gone home or if you liked firewatch, like those games, this sits right in that kind of wheelhouse. I don't know from the internet at large. I'm not getting the sense that this matched the hype around gone home, but, um, but I am enjoying it. So, and I am not always a giant fan of these walking Sims as you call them. So yes, yeah. Cool. So check it out though. Yeah, it's worth it's worth the twenty bucks. Plop it down. I will say a side note, I felt really bad for them because the night that they launched, uh, you know, there's tons of hype around it launching and apparently went smooth on, on PS or was it on PS no on PC. Mm-hmm. And the Xbox launch, I don't know what happened, but I was telling you guys I got locked out of the game. It would open the loading screen and then just freeze and never get into the game. Oh, and that's I, a bummer. I, I was like, oh man, like how did this get through? But that's like not even just on them. Like how did this get through Microsoft's oh, like Microsoft first party has a, certification? They, yeah. yeah, they have a nightmare certification process yeah, to get yeah, through. Yeah. Mm. I was like, how did this get out there? And then I like went to their Twitter and they were like they were like apologizing left and right for it. And they're like, if you are stuck on the loading screen, you have to like hard reset the Xbox. So you had to like hold down the power button or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it worked totally fine, but I spent like a, a solid hour trying to get in. And I, I but it gave me like a pang of like 
feelings for them because I know that they're a smaller team that put this like super hyped game out and they're like, oh god, why is it broken on the one console platform? Oh yeah, I mean, it's, especially this so sad. this genre of game tends to have. It's not unusual to see like, oh, this was made by three people, you know, yeah. with like, with like yeah. two part-time people helping out with like music or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So like you, you always want these launches to go well and you want these games to succeed because the teams are small yeah. and um, it's good to have these types of games like alongside other games like, you know, Agents of Mayhem or Call of yeah, Duty or whatever, sure. you know, what have you, because uh, right, right. adds variety to the landscape, which only benefits um, all gamers in the long run. So. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Hey, this is Sissy Jones from Firewatch, and you're listening to the Rated NA Podcast. We are back, and I sent out a tweet this afternoon that was asking our listeners, uh, hey, what are you reading, watching, playing? What have you been up to for a while since we have been uh, scattered all over the place? And the first response came from Kate Dollarhide, our pal. She says uh, she's been playing Pyre, uh, Battlegrounds, Player Unknown. Man, that game is just blowing up. That's like all everybody I follow on Twitch is just playing Player Unknown. Um, no Man's Sky again, Overwatch World Cup contenders. Yeah, Kate actually went to watch the Overwatch World yeah. Cup, mm-hmm. which is pretty fantastic, and I'm pretty jealous of that. And uh, apparently there is this big No Man's Sky update that adds um, fast travel story? and some story <laughs> stuff. Yeah, no, I'm not serious. I laughed yeah. just because of how Scott said it. <laughs> yeah, story and uh, story? fast travel. Purpose? And some other know. stuff. What do you call that? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, that's good uh, but anyway yeah so no man's sky people still playing it yeah i mean kudos to them for i mean we, we know that team was also small at one time so um it's it's good at least to see that maybe that game is getting closer to the vision that they had for it originally so yeah um still interesting concept but maybe it's worth playing for a wider audience um is that overwatch event still going on the the summer i think the i think the world cup is oh. over but the um overwatch league is going to be starting next year no i'm talking about and, like the uh, summer olympics event whatever oh so, uh, the summer games summer yeah. games ends at the end of the month i think oh. on the 28th yeah so. i gotta play yep i know it's pretty I, cool I, I gotta get some stuff nice um carlo platinum fist says uh dove back into fallout 4 to finish the main storyline without getting two side quests sidetracked Watching a DXP for some post G four nostalgia. Um, I still I still miss G four man. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And I mean like, and on the other comment, like kudos to anybody that can like go back into their game pile and play something. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was all set to go back to I I think the last game that I stopped playing and did not complete was uh, Wolfenstein Old Blood. And then that, you know, that got replaced by Watch Dogs 2, Mass Effect Andromeda, and so on and so on and so on. Never got back to it because now I'm playing Agents. So um, kudos to Carlo. Is, there, for, is there anything else you're doing right now, Scott? Any Anything you couldn't review but would like to mention that you're reading or listening to or whatever? Anything that I, anything that I couldn't do? That you didn't review, that uh, you are like listening to or reading or playing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually got a, um, a review code for... 
the new game from the developer of Layers of Fear called Observer. Um, yeah. I don't know why I do oh, this I to myself. Oh, I think I saw that. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, I'm like a, a glutton for punishment. But I mean, I, I don't play scary games, but I loved Layers of Fear so much that when I saw that they um, that developer put out another game, um, it's a uh, like a techno thriller called Observer. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I, I will probably start playing that and have some thoughts about it next week. So that's that's cool. uh, the thing that I really want to do next. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Robert Freemering at Mr. Slick said, I finally got back to Uncharted 4 and beat it. Uh, now back to Horizon Zero Dawn and finishing up DC Legends of Tomorrow Season 2. Such a fun show. Sweet. That show cool. got, got better in Season 2. They did, did some pretty, they did some pretty fun stuff with it, yeah. Yeah, cool. I've said it before on the show, but the Season 1, they, they end up at the end of the season kind of getting rid of all the problem characters. <laughs> yeah. And so Season 2, it's like, oh, like without those like three, four characters that were like sort of obnoxious, this show is actually a lot of fun. So that's cool. Good times. Uh, next one's from Natalie, Stumpy Nat. Hey, Natalie. She says, a closed and common orbit is so good. I think that might be a book. Um, it says, I nominated have... for the 2017 Hugo yeah, Award for Hugo's. Best Novel. Short there we listed, go. Shortlisted for the 2017 Arthur C. Clarke Award. Embark on an exciting, adventurous, and dangerous journey through the galaxy with the motley crew of the spaceship Wayfarer in this fun and heartwarming space opera. The sequel to acclaimed The Long Story, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet cool yep so there you go that actually sounds really cool it does ash let me bounce a question to you what is it that you are trying to finish trying to get back to wanting to get into um man honestly like the past since uh comic-con it's been pretty pretty crazy um i know you're prepping for packs yeah i'm doing a lot of packs prep stuff um i actually haven't even really been playing a lot of Overwatch and stuff. What have I been watching? Uh, been watching uh, Game of Thrones on Sundays. Oh it's, yeah, yeah. And it's been really, really good. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's almost like a different show this season. Not that not that last season was bad by any means, but it's just yeah. like it's like Game of Thrones like on speed right now. I need to get back. <laughs> I got to get back to it. I mean, it's a little. Yeah, the speed part is the only obnoxious part, I think. But it's a pretty amazing what they're doing at the moment. Right. I mean, it feels like each episode should really be like two hours long with it condensed into one hour. So that's sort of a thing. Um, other than that, uh, not a whole heck of a lot guys. Sorry. It's been, it's been kind of uh okay. Kind of, kind of a grind. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, um let's see. Is me yeah. next? I got next. Yeah, I think you're next. Yeah. 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 Um, Allie at Jawas in my WC. Jaws. Jaws in my WC. Oh, Jaws. I heard Jawas. It's late. <laughs> it's late for me. Uh, it's way past my parental bedtime. Uh, they say Kingdom Come Deliverance Beta. What is that? I don't know. It's we can go look that up. Upcoming role-playing video game in development by Warhorse. Cool. Interesting. Very cool. And Deep Silver, co-published by Deep Silver. Okay, right on. Yeah, it's nice to nice right. to hear about something that was not on my radar already. So it's like yeah. something something else to look into. Uh, Josiah Muncie says, uh, "Good morning, Splatoon Two, Physics for Poets, Adventure Time, and Titanfall Assault." Of course, of course. He he's the environmental artist on Titanfall Assault. That's cool. Yeah, is Physics a... for, for Poets something other than a Patton Oswalt reference? Yeah. Or... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. that is. I've been hearing nothing but great stuff about Splatoon, though. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, there's a, I, it's a book. Oh. 
Physics for poets. Also a Patton Oswald joke. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, Ash, on Splatoon 2. I heard a lot of good things. I actually saw a Switch on the shelf in Best Buy. But then I went and looked at the games, and I was like, what would I do with this thing if I got one? There are now four people in my office that have a Switch. What are they playing? They all play it constantly. Zelda mostly. Oh, and Zelda then, mostly. Uh, yeah. I don't know what else they've got yet, but yeah, Zelda for sure. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Like I said, it's just not not my thing. Yeah. Um, how about you, Matt? What's uh, what's, uh, what's on your on your burner? Playing a ton of Hearthstone on my new iPad, and that is very enjoyable. The new solo story just came out for Frozen Throne, right? Uh, is that what the big, big scary ice guy was that came out and did? Wow. Ash. I don't in. Oh, the Lich King. Yeah. 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 Lich King, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's his solo story right now playing that, uh, p- hooked up my steam link and started playing bro force. Cause I <laughs> oh. forgot I owned it. And that game is so damn enjoyable. It's just so much fun to just sit on your couch and play with a controller. It is super, super fun so it is a great game you know i, that, I think in the last year the steam link and controller have seen like some massive price drops and i was just kind of thinking like that still seems like a viable device and then yeah. you hooked yours up and it's like of course it is yeah it works like perfectly it's yeah. exactly what you want it to be you know mm-hmm. like it, you turn your pc on and you go sit in your living room and steam boots up and you just play like it's it's fun yeah um also uh reading a book called the sirens of titan which is a kurt vonnegut book that Mm-hmm. Uh, is about it's like a sci-fi story. It's absolutely vonnegut crazy. But um, Dan Harmon just optioned it for a TV show, so I thought I'd read it before the TV show. Oh wow! Cool. Uh, and I think that's about it. Not too much else. Uh, not tons of time, but but those three are on the on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one's from Paper by the Ton. Uh, Ness says uh, N.K. Jemsons The Stone Sky came out this week, and Sweet Jesus. The whole trilogy is phenomenal. Also reading Becky Chambers, A Closed in Common Orbit. It's so good. I'm here for AI learning and to make friends. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Awesome. That book uh, sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, John Leola at One Track Punk says, just finished Phantom Trigger, as well as a terrible port of Troll and I on the Switch. So, so bad. <laughs> Was that, I think, I mean, I, I guess the Switch's eShop is getting pretty expansive but maybe there's not a lot of physical releases but um i've heard about this troll and i game so it's yeah it's weird just weird to think that there would have been a a bad port on a new console with a company that can be as um uh as i guess detail oriented as nintendo yeah particular <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a better word particular <laughs> about their releases as nintendo is but that's unfortunate i guess it'll happen eventually so yeah uh, Eric at eChap33 says Game of Thrones on TV. Uh, Atomic Blonde at the movies. I need to see that. I do and too. Agents of Mayhem on Xbox One. Thumbs what? up for all of them. I didn't Man. We must, Man. Not, we must not be Xbox friends because I did not Are know not? that. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to remedy that. But that's, uh, yeah. Well, now we have. I think he and I played Mass Effect together forever ago. Oh, nice. I think so too. I think he was one of our pals. I have to go back and check my list. Well, now we've got a team of three at least for uh for the online mode so that's cool good to know yeah well i'll pick up agents of mayhem eventually i i assume that you would i just think that you can't pass up the aesthetic of the game so i don't it, know but it I sounds like something after nah. after packs probably yeah i think yeah. things will calm down hopefully a little bit yeah, yeah um 
Dane plays. Uh, Dane plays RPG. Says, uh, "Oh hell yes, War of the Chosen is going to be a game changer." Uh, I don't know what that is. I'm such a. I'm so bad at this this week, guys. I'm so sorry. War of it's the okay. Chosen. It's okay. I'm googling real fast. I think it's. I, uh, I think XCOM it's um, XCOM two, 2 add-on. DLC. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. duh. Yeah, Jeez, yeah, yeah. I should be very excited. XCOM is like one of my favorite games from last year. Yes, yeah. uh, War of the Chosen is going to be great. I'm I'm totally down for some XCOM two. Let's see. And then Ashley Durkin Rixie at Ashley DC says, "Our house has been checking out the No Man's Sky update. Pumped to see oh, Logan, yeah, Logan Lucky, Logan Lucky, and TVY is really loving." this season of preacher mm, still sitting there ash for both of us <laughs> i know i know Sh- shame on shame on me for never watching it a friend yeah. was going to see logan lucky tonight actually so i'm looking forward to hear how heard it was good heard good things about that and defenders drops tomorrow guys i know i still haven't finished iron Fist. oh man we're still watching luke cage it's like we're we're way behind well then you enjoy every minute of it because <laughs> You're gonna hit Iron Fist and question why you watch any TV at all. Oh my god, it's it's. I watched like I think maybe I think we watched like two or three episodes, and I I just wish that there was a like a soundtrack only version of Luke Cage that I could watch. Like to be honest with you, well there is. It's called the soundtrack. No, I mean just like <laughs> I want I want to be able to like turn off the the um, speaking track in in the show and just. Oh, I love that show, man. Yeah, I was a big fan of that music. Show. Is incredible. It's so good. But I mean, like the whole show is great. So really yeah. enjoying that. Well, that, that about does it, guys. I think we successfully recorded an episode if one of us actually hit record. So. I did. I did do that. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So I forgot I forgot to ask. So this might make it to, to print eventually. Yay. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening to episode 281. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds right. Of the Rated NA podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, and that's at NerdAppropriate. You can email us directly, and that's Scott, Matt, or Ash at NerdAppropriate.com. We have a Facebook account, which is slash nerd appropriate on Facebook and uh, basically everywhere under nerd appropriate. So uh, make sure to see us at PAX and come say hi and wave and come to the panels and um, probably going to be doing a Thursday night meetup at PAX as well. So if you're there a little bit early, you can come hang out with us and some of our pals and we should have information about that in the coming weeks. And that's about it. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Mortal Kombat, Hackers, uh, like Usual Suspects, like all those movies came out the same year. It's like it was an insane year of movies of both good and bad. I think that was um, when that movie come out. When did those movies come out? 95. 95. Because I remember like that kind of got me into a phase of of um, listening to a lot of what like rave music. I can't remember what it was called. You and I tried to write it like electronic or whatever. Like. Mm -hmm. I remember we were trying to, because I loved Chemical Brothers at the time also. Yeah. Anyways, keep going. I, no, I'm saying, but there was like a specific genre of music back then called rave and you could buy like these like yeah. 
five mixtapes, five disc. It was like five yeah. disc compilation <laughs> um, box sets of rave we were, music. We were dumb kids. You know, because everyone. But listen, listen to this list Toy Story, Seven, GoldenEye, Heat, Usual Suspects, Braveheart, Apollo 13, Leaving Las Vegas, Jumanji, Clueless, Pocahontas, Casino, 12 Monkeys, uh, Ace Ventura, Outbreak, uh, Billy Madison, Tommy Boy, Mortal Kombat, Showgirls. This was all 1995. Hackers, Judge Dredd. This is all 1995. Oh my gosh. See, this is why the 90s were the best. Johnny Mnemonic. Well, movies were like raking in cash in the 90s. Like You could roll out any turd you wanted and it just made a 50 million, 100 million in the theater. Anyways. It's very true. The 90s. Those movies had no problem making their money back. Magic people, voodoo people. (laughs) Orbital was in both Hackers and... uh, and Mortal Kombat. That They're was like both. that was like the thing for soundtracks. It was like that whole rave thing in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. It was yeah. in Hackers. They, they there was some of it in like The Crow. You know. Oh yeah. Like all that kind of oh, like the Crow soundtrack was fucking techno fantastic. techno industrial music. No, The Crow had like industrial. Yeah, The Crow yeah. was more industrial. Yeah, and, but there was more variety on the Crow soundtrack. It was they had a. Uh, There's like whole oral histories written about the cor- the Crow soundtrack and how instrumental it was in like breaking music in the nine, like the crow soundtrack specifically was like movies first real attempt at putting like a hip band soundtrack oh, together. Yeah. 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 And it was like, it did it's so it, it outpaced the movie. Like the soundtrack did way better than the movie ever did. And, and is like considered a classic soundtrack kind of, but it mm. was one of the first to really do that, to like put a bunch of bands on a record and say, here's our soundtrack to our movie. Oh, so that's how we, that's how we end up with, um, Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me on, yeah, on the yes. bat on the Batman. Batman. <laughs> Baby, kiss from a rose. <laughs> all right, you guys want to do reviews? <laughs> you should leave. You should leave all of that in. By the way, that's I think this, fan, this whole that's a fantastic nineties. This this whole thing is going to go after the music at the end of yeah. the show. Okay. Oh man, the people are going to miss out. They're not going to even. Yeah. Know. Well, we'll have to tell them later. Didn't we tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> everybody Shit. bails before it even gets to the end. That's true. But that's what makes it funny. That's what makes it funny. 